Bible reading today is taken from Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. Uh, Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. As we read it, please give us wisdom and revelation through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, dressed in white, stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. The Acts of the Apostles was written by a Christian physician named Luke, who also penned the Gospel according to Luke. Note the similar beginnings in the Gospel according to Luke and that found in the Acts of the Apostles. That's Luke chapter 1. Verse 3 and Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Both are addressed to Theophilus. Luke was the only Gentile author of the Bible. Have you noticed that? Theophilus was probably a Roman official. And to provide an accurate historical foundation of his faith in Jesus Christ. The Gospel are the stories of Jesus. And the book of Acts is a story of the early church. The book of Acts, there are two main themes that run throughout the book. They are that we are called to be witnesses of Christ, occurred 31 times. And the continual role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is referenced 56 times. Some have suggested that the Acts of the Apostle 
should be named the Acts of the Holy Spirit, seeing the Holy Spirit is a central figure in the book. This is a fitting suggestion. The fact is that the church would never have been birthed, nor could it have grown were it not for the Holy Spirit's blessing and power within those who trusted Christ as Saviour and Lord. Acts can be divided neatly into two sections. The first dealing primarily with the ministry of Peter in Jerusalem and Samaria. That is chapter 1 to 12. And the second, following Paul on his missionary journeys throughout the Roman empires. That is chapters 13 to 28. Acts is significant for chronicling the spread of the gospel, not only geographically and also culturally. Geographically, the spread of the gospel following the outline given in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 was from Jerusalem to all Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. Culturally, the spread of the gospel was from an exclusively Jew Jewish audience to the Gentile audience in Acts chapter 10. And later, under the ministry of Apostles Paul from Acts chapter 12 onwards. Now, in the first sections of Acts chapter 1, that is verses 1 to 5, Luke continued to tell more of what Jesus did in his gospel. Jesus appears to his disciples over a period of 40 days. That is a time for preparation and positioning. The disciples are blessed with his presence. He ensures that the seminal church is held together during this period of transition. He also makes certain that they have sufficient proof that he was alive. Verse 3. Part of the preparation for the church was a key promise made by Jesus before his crucifixion. The promise of the Holy Spirit. This is called the gift my father promised and was spoken by Jesus. Verse 4. Then comes the comparison between baptism of John's with water and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in verse 5. This takes us back to Luke chapter 3 verse 16. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come the stripes of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Here a contrast is made between water and fire. The fire is alluding to the way the Spirit will work in the midst of the church and the people in fulfilling the task set before it in its commissioning by Jesus, which mentioned in chapter 1, verse 8, we shall see later. Verse 6, Then they gathered 
round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus raised the issue of the kingdom of God in verse 3. So it is natural that the apostle would ask about the kingdom of Israel, which they equate with the kingdom of God. When Jesus appeared to Cleopas and the other disciple on the road to Emmaus, and before they recognized him, Cleopas said in Luke chapter 24, verse 21, but we had hoped that he, that means Jesus, was the one who was going to redeem Israel. The redemption of Israel is a major concern of Jesus' disciples. So the apostles' understanding of the kingdom of God was inextricably linked with the nation Israel. They believed that God would restore Israel to its earlier position of power and prestige, and they equated the restoration with the kingdom of God about which Jesus was teaching. Jesus' promise that the apostles would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in verse 5. Now, that sounds to them like the beginning of that restoration, the open door through which the kingdom would come. While misguided, the apostles' question is quite natural. So in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Jesus does not tell them that Israel will not be restored. Instead, he tells them that the times or dates are God's business, not theirs. Jesus doesn't want the apostles to be distracted by times or dates when they have more urgent business to take care of. He wants to redirect their attention from things that they don't need to know towards things that they do need to do. And verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Or come on you. The apostles had asked about the restoration of Israel's political power in verse 6. Jesus tells them that they will receive a different kind of power, God's power, conveyed to them by the agencies of the Holy Spirit. God's spirits had to work in the world and in their lives. It was this same Holy Spirit that Jesus received at his baptism. And it was this same Holy Spirit and empower, that empowered his earthly ministry. Now, this Holy Spirit will empower his apostles at Pentecost and billions of believers after Pentecost to accomplish what Jesus wants them to do is to bear witness to him. So continue in verse 8, the second part, you will be my witnesses. This team of witness 
will be continued throughout the book of Acts. In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. The weakness of the apostle will not be limited to Jerusalem or Israel, but will spread to the ends of the earth. Now look at the map. Jerusalem, of course, is a holy city, the home of the temple, the center of Jewish religious life. And Judea, uh, do we have a map? The next slide, you need. No? Oh, sorry. No. Judea is a territory or region in which Jerusalem is located. How about Samaria? Samaria is a territory just to the north of Judea. Hearing that, they will be witnesses, though Samaria would be a surprise. The people of Judea consider themselves to be the people of God, but they regard Samaritans as apostates. To the end of the earth in the next, is the next surprise. While many Jewish people are living in dispersion in various nations, the Jewish people think of the other nations and the Gentiles who inhabit those nations as lower form of life. They know that God has chosen Israel to be his people, but they tend to forget that God has also made provision for Gentiles. In the covenant that he established with Abraham, God promised in verse uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. You whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now the apostles will begin the work that will lead to the spread of the gospel to all nations. So the apostles will start where they are, that's Jerusalem, and will gradually spread the gospel in wider and wider circles until the whole world is encompassed. That is an excellent model for the church to follow today. Next, verses 9 to 11. The ascension of Christ. Christ's ascension signaled the completion of his work. These verses show us that Jesus' work of atonement was finished. He had come to do his Father's will and had successfully completed everything the Father had asked him to do. Well, Jesus had worked the greatest work ever. And he had lived a sinless life. Even though he was tempted in every way that we were, we are tempted. He accomplished what only the perfect Son of God was able to accomplish. He took the sins of the world on himself when he died on the cross, so that everyone who believes in him and receives his forgiveness can live in peace and have everlasting life. So, after his resurrection, he makes several appearances to his followers over a period of 
40 days. He met with his disciples and reminded them the promise of the Holy Spirit. He was reminded them. He also reminded them of their task to take the gospel into all the earth after receiving power from the Holy Spirit to do so. Then since his work was completed, he left. He must have been pretty amazing as he defied gravity and began to rise into the air. No wonder the disciple was staring after him, trying to catch one last glimpse of him. I would probably have done the same. While they were straining their necks to see where Jesus had gone, two angels appeared and asked them what they are doing in verses 10 and 11. Now, I don't know if maybe the disciples expected Jesus to come back down, or if perhaps they were kind of in shock at what they had just seen. Maybe they were even grieving the fact that this was the last time they would see Jesus this side of heaven. Have you ever watched a helium-filled balloon float up in the sky until it is so far away you can't see it anymore? They may have been doing that or just savoring the moment. Nevertheless, the angels brought them back to reality. Christ's work on earth was done for now. However, the angels reminded them for a promise Jesus himself had given them. What promise was that? Well, Jesus had just talked to them about the promise of the Holy Spirit. However, the promise the angels spoke of was to be in the future, more than just a few days away. After the ascensions of Christ, the apostles obeyed Jesus' command. In verse 4, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised. They returned to Jerusalem and joined together with Jesus' family to spend time praying. Verse 14 says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. They realized the gravity of what Jesus was telling them, but have no idea of what it was really going to be like. Waiting is not a passive task. Jesus had given them a promise, and they were going to pray into that promise with anticipation and expectation. Waiting time is not wasted time when it is done in the manner in which God has directed. The time was a time for repositioning, getting ready to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit who was coming. Final section, 
Besides praying, there was another important task needed to assist in preparation for the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. There was a deficit in the number of the apostles with the betrayal and suicide of Judas. A replacement was needed so the team of apostles would be at full complement. This need was addressed by Peter, fully restored and acting in his role of leadership. Transitions time are times for restoring any breaches that there may, might be. This was an act of anticipation which fueled preparation. The provision of a replacement came from both the disciples acting responsibly and God in ordaining Matthias to take over the vacancy. One of the qualifications of Judas's replacement was that he should have be one of those who had accompanied the disciple from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry right through to the ascension. So he was also to be a witness with them to the resurrection. So it was imperative that he should have seen the risen Lord. The church chose two candidates. They prayed for the Lord's choice between them and drew lots. This is the last time in the scriptural records that this Old Testament device was used. The Lord fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the eleven. As we close, we know that Christ's work on earth was done when he ascended into heaven. We also have heard that Jesus is coming back. What an awesome day that will be when Jesus appears in the crowd of glory and brightness. That will signal our retirement. The work of his life will be over. We will be with Jesus forever. However, we must not stand around looking at the sky, waiting for him to appear. We must be working doing God's will and reaching the lost. We need to work at, the begin, at being the body of Christ, God's family. We need to work at prayer and the word. Most importantly, we need to work at being witnesses for Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are great commission people. The apostle received this commission from Jesus, preached the good news. He used the apostles to start the Christian church from the time of Pentecost. Now he wants to use you and me to reach the world. How are we doing at sharing our faith? We need to get out of our familiar routines and out of our comfort zone and tell more people how wonderful Jesus is. If we only hang out with other Christians, 
which we do need to do, we will never have much opportunity to reach those who do not yet know Christ as their personal saviour. We may need to find creative and non-threatening ways to share Christ with the members of our own family who have not received him yet. Maybe you sense the Lord nurturing you today. If you sense the Lord speaking to you about your work or him in whatever area, I encourage you to get alone with him and let him talk to you about it. I don't doubt that most of us want to do more for the Lord and to be more effective at the work he has for us. However, the difference between a wish and reality is often commitment. Make a commitment to the Lord to change the areas he is asking you to change. He will help you. It may also help if you list out some simple things you will do to see these changes happen. The bottom line is, let's bump it up a notch. Let's surrender the stuff of our life to God and start making a godly difference in the world around us. Next, notice that in verse 14, the family of Jesus did come to embrace him as the Messiah at last. The resurrection and perhaps his appearance after the resurrection were enough to convince them that he was not just their older brother. Rather, he was their saviour and king. John chapter 7 verse 5 tells us that even his brother did not believe in him. But his brothers later on, they believed in him together with the apostle. And his brother's name were James, Joseph, Simon, and Jude. Note that James and Jude each wrote a book in the New Testament. Maybe you have family members who do not yet believe that Jesus is who he says he is. There is hope. Keep on praying for them. Keep on loving them. Keep on sharing the gospel with them in understandable, relational ways. We find in Acts that when people receive Jesus and his forgiveness, their entire household was often saved. Do you want your family to know God's forgiveness and to have peace in their hearts? Do you want them to be in heaven with you? Hang in there and keep on living for Jesus. Let him love them through you. Maybe there is someone here today and you are not in a right relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have never prayed and yet to ask him to forgive you and to become the saviour of your life. 
or maybe it has been a long time since you have had anything to do with God. There's one person who can change that today. That is you. If you are willing, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, God will forgive us and cleanse us. We can become clean before God, regardless of what is in our past. He loves you so much. Are you ready to give your heart to Him? Amen.